Welcome to the Insurance Brokers Podcast with your host, Sarah Myerskoff. This business podcast is for ambitious brokers determined to grow their business. Our guests are highly experienced industry experts and innovators. This is the place to leverage their success, learn how to break through barriers to growth, and discover a community of support and ideas whilst growing your business. Welcome to this episode of the Insurance Brokers Podcast. On today's episode, we're delighted to be speaking to James Willison. James is the Managing Director of Web Connectivity Limited, or WCL. James's background is in management consultancy in the Lloyds and London market. Welcome, James. Hello, James. Welcome to the Insurance Brokers Podcast. We've got a slightly different one today where we're talking to David of Boston Tullis uh, and James of WCL. So welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Sarah. Pleasure to be here. So, James, just uh, for the benefit of listeners, WCL has just been acquired by Zywave and you guys do a lot of the the back end uh, sort of technical operational stuff in terms of um, trading platforms within Lloyd's and things like that. I wonder if you could give us just a, 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 an overview of, of how you came to be where you are. So, yeah, brief, brief plotted overview. Um, we were founded back in of, of 2003, um, going into 2004. Uh, I joined 2006 um, at a time when an American company made an initial investment uh, in us. Um, they were a data analytics platform uh, called Advisen over in the US. Um, they increased their shareholding over time. Um, so roll forward to 2011, and we were a sort of wholly owned subsidiary uh, of Advisen. Um, and yeah, then into back end of um, 2020, um, advice and started having conversations with Zywave, looking at uh, potential partnerships. Um, those conversations sort of progressed, uh, obviously very favorably. Um, and in, and in, as the relationships developed, and it moved more from a, perhaps a partnership to, um, to then uh, Zywave looking to acquire advice and. Uh, we being a wholly owned subsidiary of Advisor and got sort of caught up, well, not caught up, but, but you know, we became apparent there's a software business uh, involved. And what's been really interesting is getting to know the Zywave team um, and the Zywave products and their kind of growth aspirations and how they're doing a business and how that kind of fits in, I think, very neatly um, to, to what we've been doing um, in the London market, but also overseas as well. Um, and there's some, you know, some initial kind of observations. Sidewave uh, has historically been very much in that kind of broker front office market. Um, we as Web Connectivity, uh, WCL, have been much more in the um, kind of carrier and perhaps back office and process efficiency type piece. So you know, there's this sort of very neat story where you say, well, if you if you tie in all of that front end, all that kind of placement, and then you're able to do process efficiency around that with the with the carriers, and that that becomes really quite quite interesting. I uh, was talking to somebody recently about particularly London markets and yeah. the tech transformation going on. Yeah. There. Yeah. That's. You're involved in that as well, aren't you? So, um, I mean, it's, it's, it's really so. My, my background prior to working to was, was sort of consultancy, management consultancy in, in the London market, um, looking at business process change reform around placement, accounting, settlement, and claims. And, uh, you know, we often used to think, you know, what would be, what's the kind of 
the sea level? What's the C-suite which would require change in electronic placement, electronic accounting? Is it, is it the CEO? Is it the CFO? Is it? It turns out no, no, it's COVID. <laughs> so that, that was the that's the sea level change which is uh, which is which is required, and that's you know we, we, what we've seen is an awful lot of the. Guess the building blocks in place from a technology point of view in the London market. I mean, there have been uh, training platforms which have been available uh, for a number of years. There's been some real successes in um, like electronic claims and having electronic claim files available. And then we've just seen this, you know, the the room, so the Lloyd's underwriting room, shutting for the first time in its history. Uh, and bear in mind, you know, we're talking 350 plus years, the first time I've wrapped a show, think about all the, the things which have happened in the past, yeah, it just puts into context how, um, uh, how, I guess, how severe, how serious the, the sort of pandemic situation is. So for that to shut, so suddenly overnight, all of those face-to-face meetings, all of that placement, which uh, placement activity, which would typically happen in the room and, and People are putting wet stamps down on physical pieces of paper. That had to go. There had to be a way of sort of doing that. And luckily, there were these trading platforms in place, and we're just seeing the volumes kind of escalate um, rapidly. Uh, and, and fair credit to those placing platforms. I don't think they would ever anticipated such uh, such accelerated growth, but they've met the, the, the challenges of that. And uh, and and you know, business has continued. Uh, the London market, Lloyd's and the, and the company market have carried on writing business. Claims have still been paid, claims have still been processing. Um, whereas I think, you know, had this happened 10, 15 years ago, um, there'd been a very different, uh, you know, very different kind of response to that. Do you yeah. think that it will, the changes that are starting to be embedded now, do you think they'll continue and the trajectory will continue? Or do you think the face-to-face relationship connectivity is so embedded in Lloyd's that once the vaccinations rolled out, there'll be a decline back to the, so the paper stamp? It's a really interesting question, and it, and it sort of comes up a lot, as you, as, you, as you might imagine. I personally don't see that there'd be like a snapback. Like it wouldn't be a case of, right, vaccine's there, everyone kind of then pile back into the, the city. I think there's been... Um, I think there's been a lot of a lot of people have realised that it is possible to do a lot of these things uh, remotely, and there are some advantages uh, to doing that. Um, and uh, some of that probably probably linked to, to trust to a certain extent. I think I think there's a lot more trust now within organisations because so many people have had to do so much work from home, and actually productivity certainly hasn't dropped. And and if anything, in certain it may have even kind of ticked up a little bit homeschooling uh as we we kind of discussed earlier that that adds an extra complication for those for those periods of time but actually i think people are putting in significantly well you mentioned having been acquired entirely over zoom we've onboarded you know a big client entirely over zoom you've onboarded three employees entirely over zoom people are realizing that you can actually trust this technology and in fact we had somebody come into the office in between lockdowns who I've been working with since January 2020 but I've never actually met and when Mm. she came into the office we'd been we were you know we were talking meeting doing whatever we were doing it was about 20 minutes in where we went huh this is the first time we've actually met isn't it (laughs) nice to meet you and it was so weird because you feel like you know people Um, but I think 
as in terms of general, that's correct. But I just get this, you know, not being involved heavily in the Lloyd's market myself, I get this feeling that the Lloyd's market is so uh, relationship based and, you know, twisting arms and best buddies with and going for a pint with and all that kind of yeah. stuff that it and that, and that is a key part of the market and i don't think and i don't think it's anyone's religion to sort of lose that i mean you still have all this kind of concentration of expertise that people are um in regular dialogue and so this concept of everyone coming into the office for monday to friday nine to five probably is happening one of the things that lawyers have done is opened up a kind of a virtual so in the underwriting room there's some like a, a virtual underwriting room and that's and that's a combination of you know you could do you could have a you know, it could be a face to face conversation going on but you could then pull someone in kind of via Zoom or other way and then and have the whole people kind of meet a mixture of of face to face and and Zoom and that seems to be working really quite well so you know I, I don't foresee a situation where you know we get to the end of the uh, hopefully at the end of the pandemic and, and the vaccines are rolled out and people say right we don't need the room anymore let let's close the room. But I think it's its role will change and adapt, which, you know, with with such history involved in the in the Lloyd's, you'd expect that. You'd expect these things to kind of, you know, move and adapt. I wonder if that, I, I don't, like you, I agree, I don't think the room will disappear, but I wonder if some of the broken offices will disappear. So instead of commuting into your broken office nine to five, you know, they may well have decided they don't need to be spending several million on a London office. You'll just commute yeah. in for your three or four Lloyd's meetings and then go home again. Yeah, I, mean, I think I think there'll be a lot more flexibility around yeah. kind of working and and you know, offices. Obviously, is the big question in terms of yeah. what's going to happen to the commercial commercial spaces in in London. Yeah. We um, we and we we've changed our our profile, uh, sort of our footprint in the London market. Where we uh, we've always you know we've always had an office based in in EC three. Um, we've typically had a process where everywhere or everyone comes in on Monday to Friday obviously there's a bit of bits of flexibility here and there we've actually reduced our um our office space um with a view that there are certain roles now which they don't need to be in on a kind yeah. of regular basis and that's perhaps accelerated some of that thinking that we're already starting to to have and that bit more flexible what I one of the things that, that we've looked at doing is is matching when people are coming into the office but saying when you're going to be in so and I, but I do think people are missing some of that um oh, sort yeah. of face-to-face stuff and, and where it becomes particularly and it is possible to do to do those new deals and to build those kind of new trust and, and relationships but it is better or easier perhaps to do it kind of face-to-face just as a, a side note David works the opposite way. He finds out when none of us are in the office, and then he goes in. <laughs> so yeah, I think I think the um, yeah the, the technology piece and the dynamics will, will change the London market. It, even before the um, the pandemic, there was um, the, the uh, future of Lloyd's work and the, the blueprint work. So so relatively new CEO of Lloyd's came in and done the blueprint one. I think it was September two thousand nineteen. I think when that was. Sort of published and then recently sort of done another iteration to so the blueprint and it's a very far-reaching uh, piece of work um uh, i mean there's some really you know some of the 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 well, there's lots of very interesting pieces i mean for example lloyd's decided to get the first um sort of algorithmic based uh, underwriters so there's a, a key which is a managing agent is backed by brits and google and um, they are 
yeah, based on algorithm that it will kind of follow business which Brit has written um, and doing that on a, purely on a data kind of uh, basis, which is, you know, that that's, that is revolutionary for, for the Lloyd's market and, and what's been happening there. I mean, I... Uh, I, I was involved for my sins, so sort of going back in time, so so 2004, I think it was. So John Tyner, who was um, CEO of the FSA at the time, uh, set his sights on the the London and Lloyd's market and said it was time to get rid of the deal now, detail later uh, kind of culture. So the 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 yes, we'll we'll agree all that and we'll agree all the terms at some point, you know some point never but um you know we'll get the deal done and we'll sort out the, those bits and, and of course it was then you know as per underlying wording or it was as per last year and you'd go back to the previous years and no one ever agreed what they potentially agreed what the original wording was so the, the, there was a, a culturing and I, I was sort of involved in the the market's response to that to to work out contractual certainty at the point of buying so you knew exactly um, what the terms were for the contract, which in you know, kind of hindsight, you think, well, surely you know, surely, you know, surely that was something which, which you'd want to know. And, and it, was a, it was a very positive response that and the, the FSA had said, look, if you don't sort this out yourself, we'll, we'll come in as the regulator and sort, sort it out for you. And, and the London market were able to respond to that challenge and, and kind of met that challenge. Where I think we're now moving to is, um, is kind of the, the next iteration of that, the kind of financial certainty. Uh, at point of bind so you, you know what all the terms are but now you know exactly what the premium uh, split's going to be across all the different territories what all the tax implications are and some of these are very complex risks so, so typically you you know what the you know what the kind of the gross premium is but the actual splits of how that is allocated across yeah. all the taxes may happen as a kind of you know, after the placement process, before the accounting process really triggers off, you've got this kind of additional work happening. And, and that is all being brought up front. So you have this financial certainty at the point of point. And that really enables you to say, right, we've got, we know what the contract is, we know what all the premium flows are going to be. We can now just move all of that data. So that there's a lot about a uh, sort of a common data record. What this is saying is there will be a common set of data um, which is then shared between parties. And how you then choose to sort of do that, um, you know, you, you could use a distributed ledger potentially, or you can, you know, do more sort of traditional, you know, lawyers rather than a, rather than a a uh, sort of a technology mandate. They're saying right, there's a, a common data set which is required for for any class of well for a particular class of business for how you then do the placement for the accounting for the claims. Which technology you use is then, you know, we're sort of slightly more agnostic about, but you have to use that kind of common set. And that means you can um, you can automate an awful lot of processes sort of behind that. I've spoken to a few uh, a few different people within the Lloyd's market, and I get the impression that some of the the changes going through or some of the, the transformational aims, should I say, that that future of Lloyds are looking at are a little bit controversial is that what you see as well and if so what elements are controversial what are people I, I, my personal view is, is they're not controversial so so if you look at if you look at what it is trying to achieve is essentially saying right we want we want london to be or london sorry lloyd's to be um kind of more in line with the rest of the world so so if you are a kind of broker it's easy to do business with with the Lloyd's market, um, and it's not more difficult to do business with Lloyd's as it is with anywhere else. Um, so that's looking at some of those 
historically been referred to as like removing Londonisms, but trying to make it sort of more um, more aligned. Uh, but then it just talks about um, moving data around quicker, having better data sources, having uh, you know easier reporting, moving. Um, yeah, and it's not just premium flow, sort of you know accounting information and a one-way flow. It's claims as well. You know, it's improving claims payment, um, faster claims payment. So, so those type of things to me aren't controversial. Like, like you, you want you clear to my mind. If you're going to reform something, you want the outcome to be that the customer, the end customer, gets a better kind of service uh, and and the reputation of the London and sort of always markets improved on the back of that. Obviously, how you then go about that can be sort of, sort of slightly more open to to controversy. So, I think that the aims aren't necessarily controversial. I think when you get into the detail, you know how some of those things are achieved, or or to achieve some of the you know there's some, there's some challenging goals set in there to achieve some of those. Actually, you've got to do things quite differently. It's not like sort of incremental changes. Today, we need to meet those targets. You've got to do some more fundamental change. And that's where people get slightly more, perhaps, apprehensive. I um, I spoke to Mike Keating, MGAA, this morning, actually. And one of the things we were talking about was um, he's quite involved as a stakeholder in LMA DARE project, which I imagine ties into this, talking about uh, delegated authority within Lloyd's. And one of the outcomes of a survey they did with, I think it was about 160 uh, brokers, was that the cost, the cost of Lloyd's is prohibitive. So you're talking about aligning with with the rest of the globe. What are your thoughts around that and what sort of things are being done? Yeah, so I haven't been as involved on the on the delegated authority side, although although clearly it's a, it's a very important part of the, the the Lloyd's market in terms of the not just the volume but the value of transactions which, which come through on that basis. It is interesting. So there's there's you've got a sort of a regulator which is then saying right these are the these are the, the fields you need to report on in terms of the um the delegated authorities and uh, and then if you then went back and published those to the to the um uh, to the cover holders the brokers say right this is all the data that we require and that is different to what other markets or what other carriers require suddenly you have a a cost or additional cost of doing things in the London market than you have Kind of elsewhere and that to me it doesn't kind of sound right you want it as be as, as kind of easy as possible what i what i would like to think is that actually you know when, when we're looking at um delegated authorities and you've got the then within that you have your um your uh, risk board rows your premium board rows your claims board rows they they're being reported to the london market i think the vast majority of cases probably via spreadsheets. I think that's unfortunately the, the world in which we live in. But that data is being captured somewhere. Like it's in a, it typically is in a system somewhere. I suspect it's being almost sort of exported into Excel, some additional pieces added to it, and then then perhaps sent into the um to the London market to sort of meet some of those nuances of London. I now I, I would like to think we can get to a stage where we can say, well, actually give us a give us the 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 data at source give us that raw data and, and we you know if that works for other markets i'm sure they'll be able to work for us and, and make it as easy as possible and send that data and that's where we get into the you know we, we talked about you know, blockchain was the was the key thing that people talked about historically i think now it's kind of shifted to kind of apis is, is like the new you know, the new buzzword which is going around but which you know systems talking to other systems isn't something kind of new i think it's just getting perhaps a little bit 
easier or some of the technology makes that. But yeah, yeah. It, so I think that there's, there's, there, we've got to be now in a, in a situation where technology can make these things easier. And I, and I think one of the, going back to some of the previous conversation, you know, we, we've talked about um, the pandemic and, and COVID. And I, and I think you know, people have, have been pleasantly surprised in terms of how technology has, you know, how it, that it's worked. Mm. I mean, you know, it'd be nice if everyone was on the same kind of platform. You know, it's not that long ago, and I went into a you know, our clients in the London market and saw their, you know, their sort of video conferencing room, and it was, you know, it must have cost thousands to mm. set up with TV mics. Or oh, this allows us to have a meeting with our other office in Bermuda, and we can kind of sit in like the same kind of room. And I was like, wow, that's really kind of clever. Again, as a, an IT loan. I'm- as you said, there's a lot of different systems and, and you know, products have been built and platforms have been built over each. What there doesn't seem to be, and I, and I don't know if the technology would now enable it, is a sort of completely joined up end to end. I mean, it, you know, if you we don't in the insurance industry in the way other industries have, we haven't disintermediated anywhere. You know, it still goes from capital to reinsurance company to insurance company to MGA to broker to client. And at every one of those interfaces, there's still a load of friction. Yeah, and I think there's. I mean, clearly people people have, have looked at it. I think the um, in terms of the friction piece, one of the key areas has been around sort of data standards. So there might be multiple people which are, and for legitimate reasons, you know, for your kind of insurance broker in a large commercial piece, and then you're obviously the reinsurance broker and the, and the, sort of the different skills there. But trying to have that again it comes back to that kind of common data record and, and consistent yeah. data so so people are capturing data once and not rekeying it i think that in itself yeah. you know if you, if you really want to look at uh, friction in the london market or, or any market as soon as you start rekeying data you exactly you, yeah. you invariably then introduce errors into yeah. that data i mean it's just it's a fact of life and, and actually those errors get because there are so many touch points yeah. <laughs> errors get uh, exacerbated um, yeah. through the process so i i think you know, yeah, we have we have we have clients who are insurers, clients who are reinsurers, clients who are, are brokers. I, I don't I don't see that there's any particular technology going right. We're gonna we're gonna put in a sort of disintermediation play because that, that's a, yeah that's a, yeah, a dangerous place perhaps to to kind of be. But I think but I think taking out friction is is clear. Yeah. And of course, if you look at if you look at you know at a conceptual level, when you look at sort of you know reinsurance policies and proportional treaty pieces of course they are they are bundling things up to say well yeah. uh, we'll take a percentage of each one and so you, you are there, there's some products out there which are kind of inherent in that kind of it going to the the capital markets i know um i don't know quite where they are now but certainly people in the past have looked at you know sort of alternative insurance measures so so if you're if you've got a crop exposure you know do, do you take out crop insurance or do you take out in a in a sort of you know a futures position in yeah. the price of in the price so so assuming you know there is a, the, the weather wipes out a huge percentage of the crops then you know the price varies so you can yeah. but of course it, it it's I, I, people have been burnt i think doing that because the the where the weather occurs may not necessarily be yeah. where the impact on the price and getting that correlation is can be quite James, that's really interesting. Can you talk to me a little bit about trading platforms? I'm thinking PPL, and can you talk to me about the different platforms and and how that works, please? 
So, so when we talked earlier about those those various kind of placing platforms and how they've responded to and the volumes have gone up. So, so the um, what one of those is the placing platform limited. So PPL. So uh, that is, um, and it's probably the one that the market is the one that the most volumes are going through. Uh, but I think there's there's I don't know the exact number. Certainly, at one point there was like seventeen. Um, trading platforms in the London market, which have been kind of approved for um, for usage, so that they're not they're not the only one, but they're probably the one that that has um, got the most usage out of. And okay. where we kind of uh, sit in, because from an underwriter point of view, um, you know, roll back in time, and their their workflow was brokers queuing up. At the box they'd be, they'd be sat at their desk and there'd be a queue of brokers and that would be their workflow they would see you know kind of in in series and that could be some new business it could be some renewals it could be some endorsements but that's um and of course that's not necessarily the most efficient use of, of, of sort of time you move to electronic trading and you're right it's much more efficient because you can see all your electronic placements they're kind of here you can then you know, search on those. You can triage. You could. You've got data about them. You can um, do other things. But of course, what we've seen is is there's not just one trading platform. There's multiple trading platforms. So now, from an underwriter's point of view, they, in a paper world, had something which wasn't that efficient, but it kind of worked. You know, they had this good kind of queue of brokers, and now they've got these multiple platforms to kind of go into. They get notifications, or email notifications coming through, and other things. And and where. I mean, we as web connectivity and probably probably not the most uh, I don't know the the, the the most professional way to describe, it, but we do a lot of plumbing. We essentially allow data to move from system to system or between trading partner to trading partner. So so we plug into these multiple trading platforms and then allow underwriters to essentially have a a view of their of their placements. Uh, in one place so they can kind of see ah well you know what what is the what's my dashboard where are my placements and what systems are they um where can i sort of start to access them from and then and then tie that then into some of the other the sort of post placement activities that can happen so do they then send that document off to if they were where it is still document based do we get some data coming out of the back of that so we can process that data do we start doing some reporting on the back of that and how do we tie it into the accounting and and so on piece. So, so the the other kind of efficiency play is, is if Android's then got multiple trading platforms to go to, okay, if they then agree in business on those platforms, that business isn't being replicated back into their transactional, so their policy administration system, which is their single version of the truth. That's where they need to get it. That's where everything kind of hangs off. So we look at ways of saying, well, once you've agreed it on this platform here, how does that then trigger a workflow to get download all the data? Make sure that is then populated into your internal system, so the run drive is not having to key it into to two places. I, I can see sort of at first sight that there's iWaver at the front end and, and you're at the back end. But if you delve a bit deep, you, you, it does sound like you're quite into the operational processes. Where yeah. my perception of iWaver is that they essentially provide a, a marketing. Yeah, so a lot of that is around the, the distribution and marketing side. And we would, you know, we typically are speaking to, you know, the, the CFO, the COO, and we're talking to them about, well, 
you know, once you've got all this data, what what business processes do you want to change? Obviously, you've got software products kind of behind yeah. that business process to to then improve efficiency around that. What's really interesting to me is is the is the broker customers that 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 are kind of opened up. Um, through, right. yeah. I mean, we you know, we work with some of the you know the largest global brokers, um, which is fine, but not at kind of. Not at the, the volume of brokers that that kind of Sirewave have as as customers, right. and but, but that said, their biggest growth area, oh, bigger, a big growth area for Sirewave has been in that carrier marketplace, and that's where you know we are working with majority of Lloyd's managing agents. Uh, yeah. Lloyd's are a customer in their own right in a number of ways. Um, with a lot of the insurers and reinsurers across across Europe, um, we're not just we're a London-based company, but we're operating eleven different. Or the software is being used right. in different countries. That gives Sideway some of that um, uh, foothold into yeah. geographical expansion piece as well. Yeah, I think that's incredibly helpful. I think that's fabulous. I think I'd like to thank you very much for your time on the podcast. And I think it's been really interesting for anybody oh, listening. Yeah. I've learned a lot. It's been a real pleasure. Thank you. I, I have no idea what, what we were going to do, yeah, sort of uh, where the conversation was going to go, but that's been really enjoyable. Hope that's the fun of it. Thank you for listening to today's episode. If you have enjoyed what you have heard, have any questions or feedback, please leave us a review and we will be sure to get back to you. If you would like further information on how Boston Tullus Group can support your business, or if you would like to join us on an episode, please do not hesitate to contact us.